Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is week five of our current series, working through the summer, working through Psalm 120 through 134, the Psalm of the Sense. The series is called A Long Obedience, and it's kind of it's based on the book written by Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. This week, we're going to be talking from Psalm 124, and we're going to be talking about the idea of help, asking the Lord to help you. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our church, Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or you can download our app in your app store. Just search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double C's and download it. If you like social media, you can look us up on Instagram forward slash Casper Church or Facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. Hope you have a great week. Still working through the Psalm of Sense. We have We have a lot more to go. We're going up to 134, but this morning is, the, the theme for this morning is help, um, and where I think we're going to land, and where I, I hope to land, is that following Jesus, being a disciple, being a pilgrim, being somebody who is uh, growing and searching and chasing after God, Whatever language we actually we have a couple of phrases we're going to use here. You're going to hear it a lot more over the next. Uh, depends on how long you're going to be alive or how young you are and how long you'll be here. So there's I don't know. I could say five years, but it might only be two for some of you. It could be two thousand for the rest of us. I don't have any idea. I don't want to predict when people are going to be gone. But uh, there's going to be a couple of phrases that we use, and this is going to be kind of to encapsulate the disciple. Is that. Um, what we do at Casper Alliance Church is we put effort in discovering who God is and discovering who we are in Him. What does that mean? That means we, there are things that we do as we walk with the Lord to where we learn about God and we grow and we know who God is. We're, the, the pursuit of the pilgrim, the pursuit of the disciple, the follower of Jesus is trying to understand who God is. And we're acknowledging that that's a big task. But that we, as part of being a disciple, you have to go into and, and enter into that idea of, i got to know who God is. I really do. I want to understand God. And we here, in a unique way at Casper Alliance Church, I think, and this will be more explored for you individually, is we're going to talk about who you are in God. God has gifted you. He's giving you talents. He's giving you desires. He's giving you like things that you're excited about. He's giving you things that you're that you want to aim your guns at. And not all of us want to aim our guns at the same thing. Because we have different tastes. Who likes to eat antelope? Anyone? It's a very I mean, who who likes to kill antelopes though? I mean, it's a different thing. Who loves the taste of, of venison? Right? We're increasing now. Nice, big piece of prime rib. Who likes that? Yeah, I mean, the kids are going, yeah, I, I like that. We're like, who likes fish? I mean, like, well, okay. So we all have different tastes. Uh, we believe here at Casper Alliance Church that you actually, um, within the framework of who you are, have different ways in which you experience God, 
and different ways in which you want to grow in the Lord and things that you're more apt to do. There's people in the room who love to worship and they're more apt to worship. There's people in the room who, are, who really like studying and they're more apt at, like that's, they're, they're inclined to study. People who can spend hours praying or people who have the gift of generosity and God just says, I want to come and be in places where I can help and bless and give to people. People who like, I just, I need, silence is where I grow. And I'm going to be, I'm going to take, a, I'm going to take solitude and I'm going to hear from the Lord in those places. We're acknowledging, and I'm acknowledging, and I'm actually leading us into this, to where each one of you has a unique kind of like frame in which you experience God. And when you put it all together, it's a beautiful mosaic of how the church can grow as a corporation or as a group and how you individually can grow. And the church needs to do a better job of helping you, spurring that on in, one of you, in each one of your lives. And for, for the longest time, we've just said, and I, here's what I think we do, is like, hey, go take this. We'd like you to consume it as fast as you can, and then you will know who God is. And you will know everything that you're supposed to do because you know who God is. And let's just all say that's not true. It's not the way it works. I've been trying it for a lot of years. I've consumed a lot of stuff. And frankly, there are days where I have no idea what God wants from me. I have an office, a position, a title. I have a calling. But I, I, it's hard for me to pray for an hour and a half. And everything I read says that if the pastor's not praying for long periods of time, the church is going to struggle. Well, there's, there's some tension I have there. But I'm not naturally inclined. So God, help me to find the space to where I can experience you in, an, in intimacy so I can hear from you and know who you are and know how you, how I am in you. Does that make sense? So you're going to hear those phrases. Know who God is, know who you are in him. Now, as part of a discipleship, kind of like who, like just some core principles, this psalm of a sense is kind of, is, it, it touches on a bunch of core principles of discipleship. Not all of them we're excited about. Like the first one we talked about repentance. You all have to be excited about repentance. Because you all have to run from the sin that is in your life to really experience the fruit and the salvation of the Lord. You have to run from all the bad things and go towards the good. You have to be disgusted is the phrase that we use, I use, and say, well, I want to be so, I'm so disgusted with this, I'm going to run towards God. The next week we talked about uh, worship, providence, that God is for us. That he is for his people. He created all of this to be for, he's for you. He wants to be involved in your life. He, he loves you. And so his hand is on creation. His hand is on the, the beginning and the end of creation. And you sit within that. And he's for you if you're one of his people. Then we talked about worship. Worship is, the whole phrase I said is you have to decide to worship. It's a choice to come into the room and worship. And worship is an experience that we have before the Lord to where we acknowledge who he is. We acknowledge his attributes. We, we surrender ourselves before him. And we decide to put him in awe. And we, and we worship him. And then last week, I forget what I talked about. What was it? Service, that's right. Thank you. Serve. And sorry, I, This last week has been kind of a... We're all over the place. We, if you ever drive through Nebraska, your brain will go. <laughs> it just... Where did it go? Oh, my goodness. 
We talked about serve and service last week. And that's a, it's an expression of the follower that I will serve God. Today, help. Now, I'm going to have one phrase. I'm going to say it to you. I think I wrote it down in the bulletin. But here's the one thing I think I want you to go away with today. Not only is God for you, God is with you. This is all about God's presence with you. To where you actually have the ability to say, help! I need help! So God is not only for you, He does not only does He want you to grow and to succeed and to, to walk with Him, He's actually there. He's present with you. And there's a distinction there. Because sometimes we can say, well, yeah, God is for us. Look what all, look, I mean, He loves us. We get that. We had communion. We understand that. Yeah, sure, He's for me. Okay, great. Neat. And many times we, we operate as though God is just waiting for it all to end so that we get to go to heaven. To where the final thing is done and we get to the very end and we're just kind of waiting to die. And that's not what God is about. And that's not what the pilgrim's journey or the disciple's journey is all about. The disciple's journey is about walking with Him, in presence with Him, to where He's actually engaged in your life. And or, or you're engaging Him so that He reciprocates. John, James 4.8, we're going to get to the psalm here in a second. James 4.8, just turn with me really quick there. I just, this just popped into my brain. I'm going to use it. God does that to me sometimes. God does that to me all the time. Pops things into my brain. James 4.8 says this. So humble, I'm going to start with 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before God. Resist. Be disgusted with what you are experiencing and run towards the Lord. Come close to God, 4.8 says, and God will come close to you. Some versions probably say draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When you draw something, kids are thinking I'm drawing something. How many had to go draw water from the well? Anybody had to do that in their lifetime? Drawing water from the well. What does that look like? Or... There's some activity involved with drawing near to God. It's not just I'm going to stand here and wait for God to just show himself to me, which can happen and has happened and will happen, but to draw near to God involves your activity and you're just going to pump the well or you're going to bring up the, 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 um, the rope with the bucket on it, which I, I've never understood why that's even a good thing. Everybody's like, bring the bucket up, blah, 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 and like everybody's mouse on it. What kind of, that's disgusting. When you draw from a well, do you go and boil the water afterwards? Is that what you do? Or do you just drink it? I'm surprised you guys don't have tails yet. That's... I remember there was one time, uh, it was a brownout of like, or like a 20, 2000, I don't remember when it was, and where like the eastern seaboard went dark. It was like 2010 or 9 or something like that. And we had to boil our water. I had no idea what we were going to do. I, th I actually thought we were going to die because there was no electricity for like 28, 30 hours. We, we fled Detroit. And like, if we just get close to Lake Huron, we can, just, we can get fresh water right there. Like we, now, the, where we, 
My in-laws had a cottage on Lake Huron, so it had power and internet. It was great. So it's not like we were really suffering, but, but like, it was freaky. Like, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. That's a lot of driving through Nebraska right there for you guys. <laughs> draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. There's a presence that God is, is wanting to, to, to dump into your life, but there's an activity on your end that requires some sort of drawing in. Now, is God going to resist saying, eh, no, 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 no. No, it's engage, engage in the Lord, and he will engage in you. So this psalm, Psalm 124, is help. It's asking God for help, asking him to be involved in your life. Let's read it. So what if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat this. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. The torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, acknowledging God's place in the world. He is the maker, the creator of heavens and earth. This is where God is, and our help comes from him. His activity in our life is the good things that happen, the protection that happens, all of the, all of the stuff or the relationship that we feel that we have only comes from God. And it is his active involvement. Now, here's the deal. God is not only for you, he is with you. Following God is hard. Eugene Peterson says in his book that we're kind of like framing this, following Jesus is hazardous work. It's hazardous work. Today's the 4th of July. We celebrate. I'm not, I, I've, I yell at pastors who make Sunday mornings patriotic. We, we, I'm sorry, guys. I just love Jesus more than I love America. And so, but I, I thought something. I've seen a bunch of movies where, um, where there's the final charge and the flag is being brought and the flag falls to the ground and William Wallace, what's his character's name in that movie? Somebody help me. Uh, who knows? Mel Gibson picks up the flag, Alexander Hamilton, and he raises the flag and the army all of a sudden gets special powers and they overtake the, the, the Brits and we win. That, that has happened in multiple movies, multiple times over, and somehow this flag has superpowers to it, and it's raised high, and people go, charge, I'm going to run after that. I'm going to follow that. Now, I'm not diminishing this. I love America, I love where we live. There's something that, about the flag that, that inspires us, that, that brings this thing out inside of us, that makes us puff up a little bit, that we were like, yes, we are hot, red-blooded, I don't even know, Americans, and yes, and amen to America, and land of the free, home of the brave, and, that, and it gives us kind of this kind of gumption towards life that's a little bit different. I acknowledge that that exists. I have it too. In the spiritual realm, in the walk with the Lord, that's the experience we're supposed to have with God. Moses standing there with his arms out, right? 
When, when his arms are out, what's happening? What's that? They're winning. When his arms go down, they're losing. Are they winning and losing because of his arms? They're winning and losing because of the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord being with God's people. Symbolically, we have these things that give us a charge inside of us. So the psalmist is doing the exact same thing. God's people, we would have been swallowed alive in their burning anger. Our enemies would have swallowed us alive. The waters would have engulfed us. We would have been overwhelmed. The raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord, their teeth didn't tear us apart. Why we escaped? Because God's presence was on us. Our help comes from Him and Him alone. So as a follower of Jesus, there's this thing that we have to do, I think, as we're walking and pilgriming with God. We have to ask for His involvement in our lives. And the most natural way to do that is to say, Help! I need help. This isn't like a, a prayer like, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you help this person. This is coming to a place to where you say, I can't go further unless you help me. This is difficult to walk with you. This is hard to follow you. I don't under, I've taken up my cross. I don't know what to do next. So help. I need help. I'm inviting you, God, to be involved in my life and all that that entails, all that that has for me. When God gets involved, things happen, right? Good and not so comfortable. I didn't say bad because they're not bad, but they are uncomfortable sometimes. God chisels out some of those things in our life that are causing us to be distracted, that are causing us to not follow Him well. They're painful. It's difficult. This is why I love Celebrate Recovery, and I hope someday we have it here. That's a painful process for people. But the life that happens when God's involved in the process is, is beautiful, and you see this victory. And this is what the pilgrim is trying to experience. I want to walk with God freely. So put yourself in their place. Again, this is the exiles, pilgrim. Like these are people who've been removed from the promised land. These are people generationally who have not worshipped at the temple, who have not spent time in community together, who have not celebrated the feast with a large gathering. Maybe they've done it in their home or in their house. But these are people who are, are heading back to Jerusalem to experience the goodness of God, the traditions of God, all the celebratory things that have happened because God's hand has been on them. And, and this journey is getting harder and more difficult, and there's a struggle, and they're reminding themselves of how hard it has been. But where their help comes from is God and saying, help, I need your presence in my life so that I can finish this journey. Now think about this. Put it in our current context. Imagine what it's going to be like to worship with the, with the house church people in China someday when we all speak the same language or the persecuted church in Iran or, the, or the, the pilgrims down in Central America who are just fighting to try to stay above water. Those believers, when we all gather together, the celebration of that experience is going to be amazing. I don't even know if we can even describe what that will look like. The Scriptures just tell us every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's the picture that we get. But can you imagine the journey that we're all currently experiencing? Now ours is relatively easy. 
There's been hard spaces for each one of us individually. But when the church gathers together and lands in the New Jerusalem together, what a celebration that will be. All along this way, in this journey, we have to say, God, be involved. Help! I need help! The pilgrim's journey requires His presence. One of our major pitfalls as followers of Jesus, we get distracted. Distracted by the news of the day. And I'm not even giving commentary to the news of the day. It's easy to get distracted. But think about all of our distractions. From being young to old. And some of us who've been in the faith for a long time, we know all those distractions that we've experienced. We know what the 15-year-old version of Jason looked like. Well, I do. But you might, some of you might. like. You can ask my parents. The 15-year-old distracted me. Had some struggles. The 22-year-old distracted me. Had way different struggles. The 30-year-old distracted me. And so on and so on. You know what the distracted version of you is. That's a grammatically... Did I say that the right way? No, it's a distraction. Nebraska. You understand that. If you've walked with the Lord, you know how the ups and downs of it. You know the twists and turns. You know the, the, uh, the way in which you've been discouraged, distracted, pointed in another direction. You know how you failed or tripped and fallen. You've known how you've had to repent because you've been so disgusted with where you are. You know how you've just like, labored in the same space or been in the same kind of foxhole for way too long or battling the same battle for so long. It's time to go, help! I need help! And this is where God begins to engage you because help requires your surrender. When you ask for help, you're saying, I can't do this on my own. And this is what the psalmist is saying. If we would have been to our, left to our own devices, we would have been swallowed up. If we would have been left to our own devices, the water would have drowned us. If we would have been left to our own thoughts and, and ways of doing it, we would have been our own stubbornness, we would have been torn apart. But we just narrowly escaped. Have you ever seen a bird just narrowly escape? We had a bird. His name was Pogo. We would let Pogo out to run around. Have I talked about Pogo at church before? Pogo was a uh, cockatiel. He had a great personality. Uh, he would just make weird noises and move around and poop everywhere because that's what birds do. They don't even know what they're doing. They're like flies, larger versions of flies or smaller versions of dinosaurs. They just... <laughs> And they're kind of creepy, but we would let Pogo out, and he would run around. And what was really crazy is Pogo, if we didn't like get his wings clipped, after a certain amount of time, Pogo could do what birds do. He could fly. When his wings were clipped, he just kind of pranced around and was cute and went... That's pretty good, right? And he would just kind of like... He would just move around. There were so many times where we were like, hey, we're going, we got to go to church, or we got to go to dinner, or we gotta, we're going to this place, where Pogo would be out, because that's what, you know, that's the pet we had, and we, I would chase to grab him, and he would just, he would be able to go, and then be like, ah! And just narrowly escape the grasp of the big mean man who's trying to put him back in his cage. And he would like flutter away in fear, but he was just fast enough to get away from him. Birds know how to escape. If you try to hit a bird while you're driving, it just is impossible. <laughs> Randomly, birds are dumb and they just fly into your window. Birds know how to narrowly escape. And that's what the psalmist is saying. That experience, you've seen it before, you've seen it. And he's going, we've just narrowly escaped our own problems. And if we didn't have God on our side, 
we didn't ask him for help, I don't know if we would have escaped. So I'm going to repeat it again. The walking with the Lord requires us to say, help. I need your help. Turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians. We're going to hit a couple New Testament passages. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So this is, um, you've heard this, and I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to hear the language, I want you to hear the emotion, I want you to hear, and I, I, want, to, I want you to, to put yourself into what Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and continue to like hear Paul say, help, and only God gives that. Listen to this. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We, je we, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. We need help. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach about that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to keep reading. But light into darkness is help. The flashlight. Shining a flashlight into darkness. Jesus. Presence on earth. Walking with his people. Tabernacling is the, is the fun word that people say. Living amongst us. Dwelling with us. Being with us. Showing us who God is. Being our help. We now have this, this light, this very light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clays, clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. The help doesn't come from our ability to rise up and do it better. The help comes from God. So many times the church says, we're just going to do it better, or we're going to do it neater, or we're going to make it more or cute, or we're going to put better smoke machines out, or we're going to have better lighting. And here's where I, I want all that. And I don't really want smoke machines, but I do want better lighting sometimes because I look up and I'm like, ah! But the power of the good news of Jesus Christ is where the power of the church lives. We can be pr cool and neat, and, and, and I can wear the fun clothes, and, and I can look awesome, and I can grow a cool hipster goatee, and have the best hair, and get frosted tips like they did in the 90s, because they thought that, and I could get a sweet arm tattoo, and then be like, look at this guy, he's super hip, I can wear my cowboy boots, maybe I'd be hip to you guys then, and, but that doesn't matter, the power of the good news is the power of the church, which is the resource for the earth to experience the presence of God. 
I don't even know where that where those words came from. It just that's I didn't write that down. The good news is the power for the church, which is the resource for the people of earth to experience the presence of God. Because the light, the shining, the, the thing inside of us is the Spirit of God. We are walking around as little temples before the Lord, before the people. To where His Spirit is in us. So when you touch, talk, communicate, live next to, or even encourage anyone, it should be because of Jesus, not because of your own skill or strength or ability. That's the presence of the Lord. That's the help. The helper in your life. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. See the difference there? We are never abandoned by God. He is for us. Yes. But the promise is He's with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. For us and with us. Through the suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when we said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every morning. The Spirit of God is giving us help to be renewed day after day after day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The help, the presence of the Lord will move us towards glory, towards forever. Towards forever. That is a promise that we have to as a people get our hands, our head, our heart wrapped around. That this present trouble is going to go away. And you need to cry out for help. And say, I need your presence in my life. Not only are I know you're for me, I need you with me. I need you to walk with me. And that requires you surrender on your part. To set aside time, to set aside emotion, to set aside want. And to say, God, I will surrender all that I am, all that I have, all that I desire for you to move me wherever you need to move me. That's help. That's an acknowledgement that if I was left to my own devices, I probably would be dead. And God has preserved me for purpose. He is my help. He is my rock. He is my salvation. A couple last passages. Actually, just one more. Turn me to Revelation, then I'll wrap up. I keep bouncing to Revelation every week to maybe a foretaste of what we're doing this fall. Revelation 3. Verse 20. Now, this beginning part of Revelation, 
um, is just a picture. John's teaching the churches. We're going to talk about it in September. John is, is sending messages to all these churches out there, reminding them. And ultimately, I'm, maybe I'm giving you the first message of, of Revelation. Get in the fight. Get in the fight. There's a thing happening out there. You churches need to be involved. Don't sit in your holy huddle. Those are my words. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't sit back. Get involved. That's the story of the first three chapters of Revelation. Get involved. Now here's the closing uh, verses of closing verses of chapter three, starting with verse twenty. This is Jesus speaking to the churches. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. I am Jesus, is what's, and I'm knocking on the door, church. Let me in. Let me in and I will eat with you is what, what Jesus is promising. He's saying, I'm here. Let me in. I will sit at the table. I will share a meal with you. I, we will be victorious together because I've already won. Ask me to come in. Ask me to join you at your table. The most intimate part of any household is the dinner table. We have had so many wonderful uh, times with family and friends at our table. We went back and, and uh, this is my last story. We went back and got a, uh, to where we used to live, Newton, Iowa, and got a puppy. So we now have a puppy, Wilma Penelope. Is her name? We probably won't use Penelope very often, but we will use Wilma. She is a red standard poodle, and she's about this big. And in about four months, she'll be like this big, like this tall. We're sitting at some uh, table with some people we love very much, the McConnell family. If you come into my office, you can see pictures of them, they're sweet people. And we're just sitting at the table, just talking and laughing and being encouraged. Not necessarily about anything specific, but there's an intimacy of fellowship that happens at the table. Where we're sharing meals, talking about life, talking about our kids, playing games that don't make any sense to me, and just enjoying fellowship with one another. This is what Jesus is saying he wants to give. Intimacy, presence, time, relationship. I'm standing at the door knocking. Invite me in. We'll share a meal together. There's a sweetness that happens in the community of, of believers and in the church to where Jesus is reminding them that this, this community that happens at the table is so sweet. And as a result of our connection with one another, we will be victorious. I've already won, he says. Invite me in. Ask for help. Many times we think of help as like this last-ditch effort. Mm -mm. It's the beginning thing after repentance when you walk with Jesus. Be with me. I need your help. I need your help. Let me pray, and then we'll go away. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. Lord, continue to teach us through your scriptures. Help us to invite you.
into our lives and our activities. Lord, help us to ask for help. We need your presence, individually and as a community. We love you, Lord. Give us a great day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Fourth of July. Enjoy your celebrations and family or whatever you're doing. Don't light anything on fire. This is fire safety, please. No more fires. Have a good day.